Mark chapter 6 and verse number 1. Mark chapter 6, verse number 1. If you're there, say, I'm there. Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many was hearing him and was astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And with what wisdom is this which he has given to, to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now when he could not do mighty work there except that he laid hands on a few sick folk and they were healed. And he marveled at because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. I want you to look at this scripture just for a few moments. And I want you to see verse number four. He said this, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, in his own house. Now he could not do mighty work there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and he healed them. Now I begin to look at this scripture and I thought to myself, here is the Son of God. Here is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And the Bible says He could not do a lot of miracles because of these people's unbelief. Now, if you think about it, Jesus is the anointed Messiah. Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus could do anything He wants to do except fell. Jesus could have healed the sick. Jesus could have healed everybody in this city. But the writer here, which is Mark, clearly identifies to us that Jesus could not because of these people's unbelief or because of their unbelief in Him. Now, you got, I want to distinguish something here. That the Bible says that He wouldn't do it. It didn't say that He couldn't do it. He could do it. It's just that He would not do it. In other words, that Jesus is restricted because of these people's unbelief. And I want to ask you a question this morning. How many of us is restricting the Lord from doing mighty things in our life because of our unbelief? How many of us is stopping the hand of God from moving in our life and restricting the hand of God in our life because of our unbelief in Him? Let me remind you something. The only sin that separates you from Christ is the sin of unbelief. The only thing that will send you to hell is unbelief. It's not pornography, it's not fornication, it's not adultery. Because all of those sins is the direct result of you not believing in Him. It's the direct result of unbelief. Unbelief is what separates you from Jesus Christ. Unbelief is what will send a person to hell. And these people here, these people here, did not let God move in their midst because they did not believe in Him. Now I had to ask the question, why couldn't you believe in Jesus? I mean, if Jesus is healing the sick, raising the dead, causing the blind to see, I mean, wouldn't you want to believe in Him? I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to believe in Him. If I see Jesus raising the dead, if I saw Jesus bringing health and healing to a community, I think it would behoover me that I would believe in Him. I think I, think I would believe in Him. But the Bible says they did not 
They restricted the hand of God, and because they restricted the hand of God, he only healed a few people. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm convinced that Jesus is still a healing Jesus. He is still a delivering Jesus. He is still, come on somebody, he still saves, heals, and delivers. And the reason that we're not seeing it in our churches today is because we have people sitting under the sound of my voice, and you have yet believed in the power of Almighty God. Can I hear somebody say amen? We're not believing in the power of God. We're not, we're not pulling on the anointing. We are restricting the hand of God because we are not believing in what Christ can do. I may be a little old-fashioned, but I still believe that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I still believe in the B-I-B-L-E. The Bible still works. And these people did not believe in him fully, and because they did not believe in him fully, he could not do mighty things. Listen, what would happen at Christ's point if all of us would start believing in him fully? What would happen if you really believed his word? What would happen if you really believed that God is who God said he was? Can I hear an amen? Man, I, don't, I didn't mean to preach but I'm just going to get excited right here. Is this all right? I said, what would happen if we just start believing what the Word says? The Word says you can be healed. The Word says your marriage can be restored. The Word says you can get off a of crack cocaine. The Word says you can drop the fifth of liquor and turn around in the bar stool and have God to take you from the pit to the palace. Do you believe the Word? Do you believe what the Word is saying? Or are you giving mental assent to it? You sitting there saying, yeah, well, that sounds good, preacher. I've heard that all my life. The reason it's not working in your life is because you're giving mental assent to it and your heart is not believing what the head is saying. I want about 50 people in this building to stand to your feet and say, preacher, I still believe the word. I still believe it works. I still believe there's power in the word. I still believe he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I still believe the power of the word of God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. The word of God still works. It still works. It still works. My God, if Baal is Baal, then worship him. But if God is God, then let's worship him. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. Is he not the same God that delivered the children of Israel out of the hand of Pharaoh? Is he not the same God that delivered Daniel out of the lion's den? Is he not the same God that was the fourth man in life's fiery furnace? Is he not the same God that can take a little boy's lunch and feed a multitude? Is he not the same God that can cause a four-day dead man to get up out of the ground singing, there ain't no grave gonna hold my body down? Is he not the same God? I'm telling you, this preacher is firmly settled on the Word of God. It might make some people uncomfortable. It might make some people uncomfortable when they fall out on the floor. But ladies and gentlemen, people are going to get healed and delivered and set free because the Word of God still works. Hallelujah. 
They told me not, Pastor Lynn, they told me not to speak in tongues in Bible college when you preach because people couldn't understand it. But let me tell you, Sister Kathy, it's like fire shut up in my bones. And sometimes you don't got words to say it. Can somebody wave your hand and say, I still believe in the power of God. Hallelujah. I still believe in the power in this, this group of people here. In this city, in this city, only had a few healed people, only a few sick people were healed in the whole city. And I look at Galena, only a few people getting saved, only a few people getting delivered. You know why? Because we don't believe it. We don't. Now you can sit there and say, Pastor, I really do. No, we don't believe it. Because if we really believed it, then our mouth would testify to the scriptures. If we really believed it, our pocketbook would testify to the Bible. If we really believe it, then we wouldn't, come on somebody, empty seats wouldn't be there this morning. If we really believe what the Bible says, we really believed it. Do you really believe what the Bible says? Or is it just a mythological book that you carry on Sunday morning and sometimes when you get sick you'll believe it and sometimes when you're going through hell you might believe it but it's really not a, a book to really change your life. Now I'm supposed to be preaching a pastoral message but I just felt the Holy Ghost just want to let y'all know. Is that alright? <laughs> I felt the Holy Ghost. Somebody just say Amen. Hallelujah. So they couldn't do miracles because of people's unbelief. Now, the question is, this is my point, why didn't they believe in him? If he's healing the sick and raising the dead, why would you not believe in him? Well, the answer is right in front of us. Verse 3, Mark 6, verse 3, look at it. This is why they didn't believe in him. They didn't believe in him because of verse number three. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon are not his sisters among us? So they were offended. Do you know why they could not believe in Jesus? Because they thought to themselves, surely this is not the Messiah. Surely this cannot be the person that God has sent to redeem the world. They were offended because they were familiar with him. My word. I just said a mouthful. Can I say that again? They were offended at him because they were familiar with him. They're like, dude, they're, they're in the church service, scratching their head. They're like, isn't that, that, that woman down there? Mary. When she was 16, she claimed an angel came and is, is that the same boy? Well, that boy made my furniture last week. Surely, that boy just made me some furniture. Surely, that can't be the same boy that's healing the sick. That can't be the... That boy claims to be the Messiah. They were familiar with him. And because they were familiar with him, they had unbelief in him, and because they had unbelief in him, Jesus could not do many 
miracles in their city. Let me tell you something. The moment we become familiar with Jesus and the moment we come familiar with the church is the moment that we're not going to see the miracles of God made manifested among us. Now I'm going to say this. I'm going to go a step further and say this. They did not honor him. And because they did not honor him, they did not honor him as the Messiah. They said, he's Mary's son. His brother is Judas and James. His sisters live among us. So they thought to themselves, how can this man be the Messiah when I know his mama and his daddy? It's hard for us to show honor to somebody when you know all their junk. Well, I just wish somebody would just shout amen. It's hard to show honor to somebody when you know what they used to do about 10 years ago. I don't know why they're up there preaching. I used to change their diaper. I know what they used to do last week. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not about what they did and did not do. If God has put the anointing on their life, our responsibility is to honor the anointing. They could not do miracles. He could not do miracles because the people did not honor him. That's Mary's son. That's the brother of James. His sister's here. I mean, I went to school with his sister. You know, his brother's my homeboy. We used to share a locker together, play football together. Surely can't be. Man, they did not honor him. You see, Jesus, it's not that Jesus couldn't do miracles. Jesus wouldn't do miracles because their familiarity restricted the power of God. What, is, what does it mean to honor? The Greek word for honor is this. Timi. Everybody say timi. And you know what that word means? To value. To honor somebody means that you value them. Now, let's look at the word dishonor. The word dishonor means all to me, which means, in the Greek, means to treat as common. So let me say this again. To honor somebody means to place value on them. The Greek word to me. To dishonor somebody means all to me, that's the Greek, which means to treat as common. So in other words, these people in the city, they treated Jesus as common. Jesus is just another boy. Jesus is just another homeboy. Jesus is just another one of these kids running the streets. Surely he couldn't be the Messiah. And because they did not honor his gift, they restricted the hand of God. Oh, how? listen, how can you raise the dead, heal the sick, Bring healing to those who are sick and still not honor you or honor him. Because they could not honor him because of who he was. He was a carpenter's son. He's right down the street. His mother lives down the street. And I'm not going to honor your gift because I know too much about you. I'm not going to submit to you. I, I was raised with you. I, I went to school with you. You expect me to honor you when I know all kinds of stuff about you. That's what they were thinking. 
He's the carpenter's son. He's Mary's son. I'm not going to honor you. Jesus said, well, if that's the case, just because you know all about my life, you were raised with me, I'm only going to heal a couple people and leave the city. See, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says in Luke chapter 13, don't turn there, look at this scripture. They failed to honor him. Luke chapter 13 and verse 35. Y'all getting something out of this? Say amen. Luke chapter 13, verse number 35. This is the words of the Lord. Listen to the words of the Lord here. Luke chapter 13 and verse 35. And I want them to keep the scripture up there because I want you to see something. Luke 13, verse 35. See, Luke 13, verse 35. See, your house is left to you desolate. And assembly, I say to you, you shall not see me until the time comes when they say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Is a scripture behind me? Is there something wrong with it? Okay, so I want you to see this. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now I want you to listen to the scripture. And I say unto you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I'm going to read it one more time. Don't lose me. I will not come again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I'm going to read it one more time. I will not come again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You know what the scripture is saying? Christ said, I am not going to come back until you honor those that I've sent. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. Did I just read this? I will not come again until you say, blessed is he who comes in my name. So if we want the coming of the Lord to come, he said, I'm not going to come back until you honor those who come in my name. Y'all just got that? Did y'all just get that? I will not come again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He said, I'm not going to make my appearance until my church honors those who are called by my name. So my question to you today is, do you honor leadership? Are you saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord? Do you do that? Or do you go home and talk a bad about the preacher? Crucify him and stuff him and put him in the oven. What does your children hear you say about the pastor and the staff? Are you saying blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord? Well, this is a hard sermon here. Y'all still love me? He said, I will come when you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In other words, you know what he's saying? If you honor those who is in my name, 
I'll come back. Listen, I stand before you not trying to convince you that you're not doing, you don't honor. Because seriously, just between us as family, you all do a wonderful job at honoring people. You do a wonderful job in honoring me and the staff. This is not a, this is not a pop shot to try to get you to do more. It's not. You do a wonderful job already. I'm just telling you this is what the Lord spoke to me in prayer and as I was studying. And this is a universal principle, not only for us, but for the church. So you do a wonderful job in honoring people. You do a wonderful job in honoring staff. You do a wonderful job. I have no complaints whatsoever about how you honor people. You do a wonderful job. But I want you to see here is that this word is for us to continue to do that. Because if we don't continue to do that, then what do we pass on to the next generation? What legacy do we pass on to the next generation? You see, I remember, i got to talk about me because I can't talk about you. I remember growing up, I, uh, I had several different pastors growing up. And um, one of the pastors that I had, now no pastor is perfect. Nobody's perfect. And I remember growing up where, I mean, you wouldn't believe the hell that she went through because people just, I mean, just to the point where she had to be on medicine because of the, because of the attacks of people. Hear me? That group of people. You know that church is no longer in existence today because you cannot treat people like that and expect the hand of God to be upon a church. Can't. Can't. They they had to shut the church down, long story. Because you you can't, when you walk in honor and appreciation and love, that is the hand of God at work among the group of people. You see, the Bible says in John chapter 13, John chapter 13, look at this scripture. John chapter 13, verse number 20. John chapter 13, verse number 20. He says this, John 13, verse 20. Most assuredly I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. So guess what? When I get up here and preach a sermon to you, if you receive what I'm telling you, you are receiving the Word of God. You are receiving the Word of God. If a staff member declares in the name of the Lord on behalf of me, you are receiving Christ. Most assuredly I say to you, he who receives whomever I have sent receives me. If you receive somebody in their name, in the, in the name of the Lord, you receive them. See this? We live in a generation where it says, I'm not going to submit to nobody but God. How are you supposed to submit to God when you can't see God and He's not physically in front of you? The Bible says in Romans 13 that all authority, all authority, godly and ungodly, is ordained of God. It's all ordained of God. So every authority in your life is ordained of God. Every. Whether we like it or whether we don't, it's all ordained of God. Now, get this. 
Matthew chapter 10. Are y'all learning something? Say amen. Look at Matthew chapter 10 verse 40. This is my last scripture. Matthew chapter 10 verse 40. Get this scripture. Matthew chapter 10 verse number 40. Get this. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Now get this, verse 41. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones a cup of cold water in my name or the name of the disciples, or surely I say to you, he shall no means lose his reward. Now get this. He says, if you receive people in my name, you receive me. Now, he uses three different people here, and this is what he says. Number one, if you receive a prophet. Number one, that's above us, prophet. Above us. Those are people who are in authority above you, the prophet. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive the prophet reward. So a prophet is somebody that would be over you. Okay? Second of all, he says, he who receives a righteous man receives a righteous man's reward. What is the righteous man? That is the person on our level. Thirdly, he says, and whoever gives one of these little ones a cup of cold water in my name, you do it on my behalf. So what does that mean? The little ones are those who are in our care. So what is, what is, what is he trying to say here? He's trying to say here, if you honor the people that's above you, if you honor the people on your level, and if you honor the people beneath you, you're going to receive a reward for it. Y'all get that? If, if, you, if, if you honor people that's above you, which is the prophet, and you honor people on your level, which is the righteous, and you honor those who are under you, which is the little ones, he said in this scripture, you're going to receive a reward. Let me ask you, have you been honoring those above you? Are you honoring those on your level, or do you think you're better than they? And are you honoring those underneath you? Because if you do, the scripture says you will receive a reward, and my question to you is, are you being rewarded? Y'all still love me? I mean, this is a good word. So you honor, you honor those who are what? Above? And then you honor those who are on the... And then you honor those below you. Is that all right? He says, then you will receive a reward. You say, well, pastor, who am I supposed to honor? Well, guess what? Number one, you're supposed to honor the civil government. Number one, the Bible says in Romans chapter 13, you don't have to turn there. The Bible says in Romans chapter 13 that all government is ordained of God. That means Obama is ordained of God. Let all, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except by God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. God. 
And therefore, whoever resists the authority will resist the ordinance of God, for those who resist it will bring judgment on themselves. What are you saying, Pastor? I am saying that the government is ordained of God. Those who are in authority is ordained of God. But you say this, Pastor, how can somebody be in office who is against who, who is for abortion? Who is against this? Who, or who is for this and for this? How, and we've all heard of church horror stories of pastors doing this and doing this. How can you submit to somebody like that? Well, you've got to understand something. Nowhere in the scripture did it say their behavior is godly. Did y'all just get that? Nowhere did it say their behavior is godly. It said their authority is ordained of God. You see, their behavior can be ungodly. But that doesn't mean their authority is not ordained of God. In other words, he's saying, you respect the authority. That doesn't mean you approve of their behavior. You say, well, pastor, that's not enough scripture. Well, what about 1 Peter 2.17? Just, they'll put it behind me. 1 Peter 2.17. And this is what Peter says here. In 1 Peter 2.17, honor all people, love the brother, fear God, and honor the king. Do you know what king he's talking about? He's talking about Herod Agrippa number one. Herod Agrippa number one, when he wrote this, was the same person who would murder Christians to gain political favor with the Roman government. And here Peter is saying you need to honor the king. Yes. Because Peter understands their authority and their behavior is separate. Their behavior can be evil, but their still authority is ordained of God. How can Peter say honor the king he doesn't deserve no honor. He's murdering people. But Peter understood something, that you still honor the authority that the person has. I know this is hard preaching. We don't like preaching like this, do we? Because we live in a rebellious society where we teach our children to talk off to our teachers. We teach our children to back talk. I mean, I see, I see children back talking their parents, and parents act like they're just deaf to it. What you permit increases. If you can't control them in the playpen, they're going to the state pen. Johnny, stop it. Johnny keeps on doing it. You have no authority. Thank you. Johnny just keeps doing what Johnny wants to do because there's no respect and honor for the authority of the house. Now I can say that because when I was growing up, I got my lip busted a few times on my bottom. When, I, when they said go to bed, you went to bed. Can, can, is this all right? When they said you're going to church, but I'm 17, you're going to church. So I'm from a, I'm, I know I'm young, I'm just from a different environment. Just total different because I was raised different. Thank God for godly grandparents. So, all authority is ordained of God. Number two, 
The second class of authority you must respect is social. I'm sorry, the family. I'm sorry, go to the family. So number one, it's the government. Number two, you've got to respect and honor the family. What does the Bible say in Ephesians 6? Parents or children, obey your parents, for this is right in the sight of God, and this has a what? Promise. And what is the promise? That you may live a long life. But, but my, parents are, my parents are no good. Honor your parents. But you don't know what they did to me. Honor your parents. You don't honor them for their behavior. You honor them for the office that they hold in your life. You say, well, Pastor, I, I, I just want you to make me shout this morning. I don't care about honoring my parents. If you don't honor your parents, the Bible says you won't have a long life. This is a promise. If you want to have a long life, it says to honor your mother and to honor your father. We live in a generation where spouses dog one another's parents in front of their children. The scripture says if you don't honor them, you won't have a long life. Can somebody just help the preacher preach just, just a little bit here? Is this all right preaching right here? I said, is this all right preaching? Is, can somebody say, this is good right here? Ephesians 6 verse 1. Ephesians 6 verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which this is the first commandment with a promise. What is he saying? That is found in the Ten Commandments. That ye may be well with you, and that ye may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them in the training and the admonition of the Lord. In other words, he's saying, listen parents, you have a responsibility to demand honor from your children. Not only are you supposed to honor the civil government, the family, the social. The social has to do with your boss and your teachers and your coaches. We have, lots of, we have several teachers here. It's amazing these teachers come to me and say, the most difficult thing I have is with parents. Because what do they, parents do? They believe everything their child says. And we teach our children to be disrespectful to authority. That child may not agree with everything the teacher says, but she is still and he is still the teacher. Still the teacher. And the Bible says, the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse number 22. Look at verse number 18. I'm almost done. Give me five minutes. Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. Wives, Colossians 3.18, this deals with the family. Be subject to your own husband as it is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, don't provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Now, look at the, look at the social order. Bond servants... And another word for bond servants is employees. Employees obey in all things. Your master according to the flesh. Not with eye service as man pleasers, but with sincerity of heart fearing God. 
And whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of your inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. You see the progression here? The family. Wives, honor your husband. Husbands, honor your children. Bond servants, when you go to work, you obey your master in all things because this is pleasing to God. You see, the Bible also says in 1 Timothy chapter 6 that the bond servant is supposed to be submissive to the boss because in doing so, the Scripture tells us that you heap coals of fire on your head. So honor the civil government, honor the family, honor the social order, the bosses, the teachers, the coaches, and the last level of honor in Scripture. You have the civil government, you have family, you have social order, and now you have the church. And I want to say this, I, I become very disheartened when the church makes a policy and parents go home and tell their children they don't have to obey it. What standard are we developing in our culture with our children when we are saying one thing in the home and the church is saying another? The church and the home should say the same thing. Can, can I say that? I said the church and the home should say the same thing. It should, it sh there should be this, this marriage of we're in this thing together because it takes a church and a family to raise our children. Now, now, why did I preach all of this for a pastoral staff appreciation? Because, Brother Leonard, now don't lose me, I'm bringing it all in. I looked at all of this, and I thought to myself, okay, you're supposed to honor the civil government because all authority is ordained of God, all. You're supposed to honor your family, and you're supposed to honor the social order, and then the church. And I thought, well, what's so different about the church? I mean, why did I have to go through all of this to get to the church? Why couldn't I just start with the church and end my sermon quickly? Because I found out something. All of these orders, the social order, the family order, the social order, when you come to the church, there's a slight difference. You know what the difference is? This is the difference. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. This is the only time it's recorded in Scripture. It's different from the social order or the family order and the civil order. This is what's different. Are you ready for it? 1 Timothy chapter number 5, verse 17. This is what's different. Look at it. You see the word elder there? That is the word for pastor. Okay? So let's read it like this. Let the pastors who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in word and doctrine. Now let's stop. Are you all with me? Everybody say, yeah, I'm with you. If you look at civil government, it tells us honor the king. It tells us to be submissive to them. It's not that you, it's not that you agree with their behavior, but that you acknowledge their authority. Is that right? Then you go to the family. Parents are to honor one another. Children to honor their parents, that it may be along with you. Then you go to the social order. 
Then you have bond servants, which is employees to honor their boss, or teachers, or coaches, the social order. Then you come to the church, and this is the only where in Scripture that the word double honor is used. And the word double honor is always in reference to the pastor. It's never in reference to the civil government. It's never referenced in the family. And it's never referenced in the uh, social order. The only time you see double honor is when it comes to the church. And that's the only time you see double honor. And the scripture says, if you're going to give honor, but if you're going to give double honor, you give double honor to those pastors in your churches. Nowhere, nowhere do you find giving double honor to the government. Do you find where it says give double honor in your family? Do you find it where it says give double honor to your teachers and your boss and your employee? The only time that it says to give double honor is to give double honor to those pastors who teach the word and walk and labor in word and doctrine. That's the only time. So what are, what are we trying to say here? I'm trying to say here, when you look at God's order, civil, family, social, church, the church is the only place where God says to give double honor to. And why? Because the church represents the bride of Christ. So when you give honor to its leaders, you are giving honor to the very bride in which Christ will marry one day. Give double honor to the pastor. Now, the Bible says in Hebrews 13, verse 7, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow especially the outcome of their conduct. Look at verse 17, Hebrews 13, verse 17. Verse 17 says this. Speaking of church leaders, verse number 17. Obey those who have rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your soul as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief. Or that would be unprofitable for you. So what it's saying? Submit to those who are in church authority and don't cause them grief. Because it's unprofitable for you. 1 Timothy 5.17 says give honor to them. But give double honor. So, in closing, what does this have to do with anything? Well, today is pastoral staff appreciation. And God has put in our church five people who we call pastoral staff. And they're the ones that lead the different departments of the church and have people under them. We have Sean, who is our worship pastor. We have Orlando, who is our connection pastor. We have Ronnie, who is the youth pastor. Christy, who is the administrative assistant. And Camille, who is the kids director, the lead director. These are the ones that oversee the different ministries of this church. And today... I've preached this whole sermon because the Scripture says if you're going to give double honor to anybody, you've got to make sure that double honor is always given 
to those pastors who labor in word and doctrine. Not the civil government, not the family, not the social order, but the church. Give double honor to them. And today we give double honor to these people because not only do we honor them today, but we appreciate all their hard work and dedication that they have given to Christ's point and continue to give to Christ's point.